Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Thank you very much for listening in. And thank you as well if you listen to our England Sea special, which of course is still available to listen to now if you subscribe across all good podcasting platforms or go to the link on our Twitter page at NL Full Time. You can find it there. We all had a nice little trip up to Altrincham. Well, I, I just went half an hour down the road, but everyone else came up and uh, we went out, had some food and, and saw the match. And you can hear pre-match during the match and post-match stuff as well. Joining me, we have two of the members of the team. We have Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. Good to see you again. It feels like it was only a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Luke and I are not in any kind of uh, shared living arrangement, folks. Just make make that clear. And uh, also with us, well, we finally met him in the flesh on Tuesday. He's back with us over Zoom. It is Joe Pope. Hello, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, chaps. Nice to see you in the week. Um, unfortunately, it's Zoom today, but yeah, get back to a uh, bit to normality. Rob's taking a well-earned break after his trip up north. He got altitude sickness, so he's uh, he's taking a week off this week. <laughs> and uh, without further ado, we're going to get into the action. And well, not just the action, off the field action as well. I mean, it's been a really busy week just on and off the pitch. Of course, transfer deadline day took place this week for all non-league clubs, and that included National League clubs. So we'll get on to some of the more interesting stories from that very, very shortly. But one story that is making the news this week is the contract situation. Now, this all blew up last Monday when um, Boringwood's Tyrell Marsh posted basically a photo of a contract on Twitter, and he tagged in the National League. And, and basically, Dickie, the terms of the contract for liability and, and sick pay has changed, hasn't it? And it's all been a bit of a mess. However, a lot of the eye has been aimed at the National League, and, it, and it's not the National League, is it? No, my understanding of, of this uh, is that the, the, the change has basically been, has, has come from the Football Association, um, that the, the, the contract is their document, and that they basically had to uh, change the existing contract because the contract that was uh, in use basically wasn't compliant with UK employment law. Now, I'm not in any way sure um, exactly how this was done and, you know, levels of consultation and, and why it wasn't compliant before and what is in it now that does make it compliant. But the upshot is that it does seem that the new contract um, contains um, not a lot of positives if you're a player. Um, it, there's certainly some, I wouldn't say positives, but there's some things in there that, that, that clubs would probably benefit from, but but players less so. And obviously um, that's what's taken the attention. We've had the, uh, a letter signed by all 24 National League captains, which has been put forward basically saying that they all stand together on this. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a really... Uh, it's a really unfortunate situation, particularly when you think that yesterday was non-league day when we're sort of like trying to, um, you know, sell the non-league game to everybody. And this is sort of, I wouldn't say a self-inflicted blow, but um, yeah, there just seems to be something about what's been introduced, which which doesn't seem to have been communicated very well at all. Um, I think the PFA, um, they shared some information on it and I think they might have been dare I say, a little bit selective in the bits that they've um, put out to the public as well. So, um, yeah, it's all very messy, um, you know, and there's people talking about players going on strike, etc. Um, 
and that's simply a situation that nobody wants. Um, uh, but you know, at the same time, I fully endorse the the, the players if they feel that that action is um, you know the only thing that's open to them. I'm, I'm not going to sort of like deny them that, that, that they have the right to do that if they want to. Yeah, I think the point is is that some of the eye is being aimed at the wrong place. I think as well, though. Yeah, the National League didn't come in for a lot of stick. And I, I suppose if you think about it and, you know, the way that previous some previous issues have been dealt with by the National League, um, make it easy for people to, you know, uh, to grab their stick and go and beat them with it because it's, you know, they would think, well, this just reeks of National League incompetence. Uh, let, let me be clear. I don't feel that the National League is is always like that, but you know that there, there, there are things. Everybody, there's things everybody could do better in this situation. But yeah, the National League have taken a bit of a beating over this one. When in fact it is actually the FA that have done this. Um, you've got the complication of the the National League not being recognised, or the the PFA, the Players Union, isn't recognised by the National League. Um, I presume because of historic. Um, the fact that, that there weren't enough players in the National League who were PFA members, um, I, you know, that that's changing now. You know, we've got so many players in the top division of the National League who are full-time professionals now, and I suspect probably are members of the union, but it doesn't extend necessarily down into the north and south. So, um, yeah, it's very, very easy. And I would say the way that some of this has been done and, and is being sort of done via social media isn't a particularly brilliant way to do things as well you know you just get very simplistic arguments for what i think is probably quite a complex set of circumstances that have brought this about yeah it's uh it's really interesting this could rumble on and on a little bit um and it's just unfortunate and uh yeah as you said all all fa well all contracts are lodged with the fa um and we have had Responses, some responses from people saying, welcome to the real world as well, haven't we? We have, yeah. And, and you know, I do understand that there are people out there in the world who, who would look at that and go, well, why should a footballer enjoy any better, you know, employment conditions than I do? Um, I would say what you, you know, my feeling on this, as it applies not just to this case, but in a lot of cases, is it shouldn't be a race to the bottom. You know, we we shouldn't be looking to outdo one another. If it turns into that Monty Python sketch about, you know, sleeping in a box in the middle of the street, getting up two hours before you went to bed, etc. Just trying to outdo one another as to who's had the hardest life. There's no virtue in that. You know, what, what, why are we making a, a, a positive out of that when actually it should be about securing good employment conditions for everybody? Well, we'll move on and look at some of the transfers that took place with some interesting Transfers that took place on deadline day, most notably, was uh, the one that caused a stir on Twitter. It was trending, and that's uh, of Ben Foster, the cycling GK. He's uh, gone back to Wrexham. Of course, when I say gone back, of course, he spent uh, a time on loan there when he was at Stoke as a 18-year-old. I think he's gone back there. Says he's excited by the project. Says he wants to try and get them over the line and get them back into the football league. He started in their game against York City on Saturday and. It's fair to say it's caused quite a stir, hasn't it, Joe? Yeah, it has. Um, you know, to, they needed a, an extra goalkeeper, let's say, with Rob Lainton's injury and to, to be able to pick up an ex-England international who only as recently as last year was in the Championship then um, or in the Premier League. Then you, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a marquee signing. But there's going to be a lot of 
you know, attention around it, understandably. Um, I saw yesterday after their win that within half an hour of the game finishing, all the social media outlets, which you can probably list, um, put out a thing saying Ben Foster keeps a clean sheet on debut for Wrexham. And unfortunately, we're going to have to put up for that for the, for the rest of the season, I think. And uh, if, if Wrexham get over the line and get promoted, I'm sure we'll have it shoveled into us that Ben Foster got Wrexham promoted as well. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's good for Wrexham. They've got a good keeper and it's good for the league, a bit more exposure um, for the National League. Um, but yeah, certainly one that, that caught the eye. Yeah, and it's worked um, It's worked the other way a little bit in that some people are going, oh, this is ridiculous. I am, we want we want Notts County to go up now. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you, I think it's jealousy at the end of the day. You know, if people, if other teams are in a situation whereby they can go and get an ex-England goalkeeper who's probably keeping himself quite fit anyway and is a good goalkeeper for this level and levels above this, then of course you're going to be jealous. Um, and I think people are jealous of the fact that, you know, yes, there are other teams in the league that are putting in money, but Wrexham are doing it in a way which actually doesn't jeopardise their club's future. You know, the debts aren't rising um, and they're actually, the owners are actually putting the money in. You know, every club in the league would want it. Um, so it's just jealousy. So, yeah, it's... Um, it gives a little bit more spice, shall we say, to the to the promotion race. Um, but yeah, good start for him. It's a clean sheet and uh, yeah, win yesterday for them. So, was there any other transfers that, that caught your eye? Yeah, um, the only other one really was um, was Billy Waters going to ha- um, going to Wrexham. Um, obviously, been in the league before with Halifax and Torquay United. Um, really good striker. I know Barrow fans said that they were happy to see him go because they they get to cash in on him, but. You know, that's been the case with a number of, you know, Wrexham's player signings whereby they can just go and get someone that perhaps is out of contract. He's a good striker, you know, and they don't have that player that can press from the front. They've got three strikers who are virtually, you know, all big men um, or certainly bigger size. And it gives them a little bit of an outlet um, in behind. And I, I think he's a really good striker. Um, a really, really good signing for them. So, as we mentioned at, at the top of the National League, Ben Foster kept a clean sheet on his debut, and at the other end, Wrexham scored three goals. They scored in the first half of stoppage time, and then it took them until the last few minutes to really wrap up the victory. So they won by three goals to nil against York, and then Notts County, uh, they won comfortably as well at home to Scunthorpe. Macaulay Langstaff on a score sheet yet again. That's 39 goals for him this season, and between them, Notts County and Wrexham have scored 200 goals in the league. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Yeah, um, and it just goes to show what a fantastic season both are having, that one of these sides will actually miss out on automatic promotion. Um, I think 201 goals. Um, Notts County taking their tally to 101 yesterday. Um, you know, it's just incredible um, the lengths that these two teams are going to. Every week, they just keep winning, keep winning. Um, obviously, two goals for Langstaff yesterday. He is going to break the record. Um, I think, you know, I've put a jinx on a couple of people on this podcast, but I don't think I'm going to put the jinx on him. Uh, 39 needs two more to get out in front. Um, so, yeah, it's both teams are incredible, really, um, and in different ways. Um, and it's just testament to how good both of them are that, um, that yeah, they're both locked in this race right until the end. No, Notts County took 
control in that game fairly early yesterday. You know, two goals up within the first 11 minutes, another goal from Adam Chickson from fullback. You know, he's been a, um, a an absolute bonus for them. You know, that one of the reasons, yeah, you know, when you've got an almost 40 goal score in the side, it's no surprise that the, that the team is pushing up towards the, the 100 um, total for the season. And, you know, Chickson's added probably, what, 10 from fullback, something like that. Um, tremendous, tremendous stuff from them. And yeah, in any other season, you know, Notts County would be walking away with this, but it's, you know, the, this power struggle between them and Wrexham. And, you know, as Joe mentioned earlier, you know, with the Foster signing and people sort of taking sides, even the, you know, neutrals getting involved and thinking, well, look, it's going to be one of these two sides. Who would you rather see go up? Um, you can understand that maybe some of the Wrexham stuff does irritate fans from other teams a little bit who perhaps maybe see not more as the underdogs and people do like to back an underdog. It's just all bubbling together, uh, you know, bubbling along to that um Easter Monday meeting on BT Sport, isn't it? That's going to be a some occasion. Join third are Chesterfield and Woken. Woken are just above Chesterfield on goal difference. Both won. Uh, Woken had to come from behind at Maidstone. To fell behind to Josh Shonabere in the second half. And it looks like they were going to get a rare win. But then Padre Command scored a double. He scored his equalise in 72 minutes. And then a really, really late winner to break the Stones' heart in the 96th minute. Chesterfield won 2-0 at home to Halifax. They ended Halifax's four-match unbeaten run. Ollie Banks on the stroke of half-time and then Armando Dobra with a goal in the 71st minute. And they just keep on each other's tails. Now, Woking, we know, have been consistent all season, but uh, Chesterfield's little blip seems to be over and done with now. Yeah, it does. And, you know, a good win for them yesterday. Fairly comfortable in the end. And, um, yeah, I think both, I think that's going to be, you know, while we've got the, the race for top spot bubbling on until the end, I think we're going to see that one race on right until the end and see who gets that home advantage in the in the, in the semi-finals out of Chesterfield and, and Woking. Um, just a point on that game yesterday, um, a good performance in Maidstone, um, even if they didn't get the, the result that they wanted. Um, obviously, the news in the week of uh, George Ellicobi getting the, the manager's deal uh, until ne- the end of next season initially um, and I think Maidstone fans are seeing signs of improvement under him um, certainly if the results aren't. Yeah it went down a bit like a lead balloon on Twitter though uh, Ella Kobe's appointment especially from the, the fans they call it a, a cheap appointment some are saying though like you say Joe that they can see um, sort of improvements already and, and you wouldn't want to argue with Big George either would you? No, you certainly wouldn't want to get into an argument with him. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, it's something that I'm going to have to um, get used to and, you know, talkie fans are going to get used to is when you get relegated out of the National League, you're no longer a big attraction for players. Um, you know, so they've got a, a, a player there that, you know, t- now turned coach who obviously they believe in um, and they back and they've decided to give him the job until the end of next season well, up front. Um, and, you know, he hasn't got the results, but they, they have improved performance-wise. And you just got to hope that with a, a summer of recruitment into his players, he can get that team performing. Certainly, you know, at the moment, I'd have more faith in Maidstone being competitive next season at the top of the National League South than I would Torquay. So, 
Um, I don't think uh, I don't think it's all bad for Maidstone at the moment. Barnet, they stay in fifth. They won 2-0 away at Wheelstone. That was in the TV game. Um, a real scrap in the first half in that game. But then a really good finish by Nicky Kabamba and then Harry Pritchard sque- squeezing one in to give Dean Brennan's side all three points. He said he had a stern word with his forwards at half-time. He felt they weren't working hard enough. They'd set themselves standards and they fell below that standard. Stuart Maynard was bemoaning the fact that they didn't have five of their regulars available, and it left them a bit short. But Barnet going really, really well. Two points behind them, but having played two games more, are Eastley. They took on Boreham Wood, who are directly below them in the table in seventh, a further two points behind Eastley. And they drew nil-nil, which means that Eastley stay above Boreham Wood. And uh, Joe, I think we've got a really sort of um, consider Eastley as serious playoff contenders now. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we've we've talked a lot on this podcast about how the fact that, you know, they just keep managing to get clean sheets. Um, and they got another one yesterday on the road. Um, and yeah, I, you'd have to give them, um, you have to say that they're a real contender. Um, getting players back now, um, as their squad has been stretched for the last couple of months. Brennan Camp was back yesterday for his first start through injury. Um, so yeah, they're, they're making good progress at just the right time. And uh, I think they will finish in the playoffs. Um, and obviously a good point yesterday to ensure they stay in it. I was going to ask Joe, are the playoffs sealed now, do you think? Because Bournemouth is seven points ahead of, there's four teams on 55 points, Solihull, Bromley, Dagenham and Redbridge and Wealdstone. Do you think that seven points is too big a gap? Um, well, it depends. If they can put a little run together, um, then you'd say no. And certainly when I was speaking to um, Andy Woodman yesterday, um after the game at Yeovil, he seemed to think that, you know, his team still have a chance of getting into the playoffs, but they just need to focus on themselves. But I think it probably is cut and dry now. Um, I wouldn't, I don't see a, any of the teams outside the playoffs having enough to make that jump. Um, certainly when you look at the two, couple of teams on the outskirts of the playoffs, I'd say, you know, Solihull Moors, Dagenham and Bromley, and I don't see any of those teams bettering Boreham Woods' return between now and the end of the season by seven points. So I think the, the playoffs is all but sorted, and it's now just a case of seeing which which order they come in. We've teed that up nicely, John, because you were down at Hewish Park to see Bromley win at Yeovil, weren't you? I was, um, and a good win for Bromley, um, albeit an early goal when they had to hold on uh, for the win. Um, going into it, I was really... Excited to see the two young fullbacks, uh, Topper Lodge on the left and Fisher on the right, and how apt it was that both of them combined for the first goal. Lovely cross by Fisher, knocked down for Topper Lodge to smash home. Um, Bromley should and could have won it by more. Um, they missed a, n- a couple of really good chances. Michael Cheek missed one from a yard, which you'd have thought he'd have usually put away. And Louis Dennis and Corey Whiteley between them probably missed four or five really good chances on the break. For Yeovil, um, I have to be careful what I say, really. Um, but there was a lot of uh, growing concern around Yeovil yesterday. Um, and, you know, for 60 minutes, I thought they were OK. Um, I thought they played quite well. Tactically, they were good. I've seen some fans say that Mark Cooper tactically got it wrong yesterday. You know, I spoke to Josh Staunton after the game. And he said he's tactically the best manager he's ever worked for. 
Um, and he got it right again yesterday. But as I said in my interview with Josh, they got everything right apart from quality. And that's what you're overly lacking. You know, they haven't got anybody to put a, a ball in the back of the net. Um, and it was noticeable yesterday that after 60 minutes, Mark Cooper brought on the three new men, uh, three new signings for, for Yeovil, Scott Pollock, Xander Zizabar and Rio Griffiths, um, all of which I think now most people are aware now that they weren't actually made by Mark Cooper and they were made out of his control by the new owners. And it was noticeable that he kind of chucked them on with half an hour to go and for him being the on the touchline, shouting and raving and really backing his team for an hour. He then sat back in the dugout and didn't really offer much for the last half an hour. And to me, um, as a sort of neutral, it did look like a case of, well, you know, you wanted to sign these players. So here's half an hour of what they can do. And um, unfortunately, they didn't offer anything. Um, I think that's being a little bit kind. Um, but yeah, Yeovil, um disappointing afternoon uh, for them. And uh, obviously with the wins for the other teams around there, they're now only a point above the drop zone. Um, so yeah, not, not a good day for, for Yeovil. Yeah, and as Joe mentioned, he, he did a little bit of uh, interviewing with us at the England Sea, but he went solo after the game on Saturday. And as he mentioned, he caught up with Josh Staunton and then the Bramley manager, Andy Woodman. Josh, is it a, another afternoon where just that little bit of quality in the final third paid true again? Yeah, it's been the story of the season, mate, unfortunately. Um, we have to have an eye on perfect defensive performance to even have a chance in a game at the moment. And when we started the way we did, we conceded, we conceded in, in, um, in five minutes. It made up an uphill battle and got a lot of the ball today and a lot of box entries, but we didn't even look like creating a goal, really. And it was another game where I felt Mark Cooper got it tactically spot on. Um, did that just ram home the, the lack of quality in the final third, the fact that you actually battled well, just couldn't get that goal? Yeah, Mark Cooper's got the pedigree and his track record proves that he's one of the best managers at this level. Um, I don't think tactically there's ever, ever a question about getting it right. And if we do get it wrong, he changes it. So this isn't on the gaffer this is on a group of players who have to believe that they can put the ball in the back of the net because um, at the end of the day there's only so much a management team can do for you they don't come and play a game for you so we have to try and believe as a group that we've got eight games left we have to start scoring some goals or it's going to be a very very difficult challenge and Callum Harriot made his first appearance for Yeovil in the first half how did you feel he did I thought he did quite well yeah, Callum done well. Callum's obviously a very good player. He's got comes with a lot of football league pedigree, playing the championship. A very exciting player. I think the difficulty Cal's probably got is he's not probably up to speed, having not played as much as he'd like in the last couple of years. And and um, I think we he probably I think he might have taken a little knock at half before half time and unfortunately couldn't come out second half. But that's kind of the situation we're in, and and Cal's a good player, and, and we want him on the pitch to try and make a difference. And obviously going into the next few games, obviously there was wins for Dawkins and Gateshead today, which I'm sure you would have seen. Does it just make that t- uh, task a little bit tougher? To be honest with me, I haven't seen that. So that makes the conversation even even more damning, really. And it makes this afternoon even more damning because, am I right in thinking that makes it one point? Yeah. Which is um, obviously not a position we want to be in. And... Uh, 
heaps of pressure on the group, but hopefully we've got enough characters in there to, to stand up to it. And finally, just away from the game today, you did some good work uh, on social media with rallying for the, the contract situation uh, the, about the National League. Um, just tell us a little bit about that and what you aim to achieve with that going forward. Well, firstly, I I think I, I owe it to all the captains. I, I reached out to everyone on Monday morning as best I could and when we found out the news and uh, we, we, we all came together and collective and every everyone's been an absolute credit to their to their football club uh, to their football club and their players they represent because with a lack of union representing us every every man has stood up and, and, and put his head in a place where he can get shot down into to, to try and make a difference and we're in the early stages I think this is something which is probably definitely bigger than me <laughs> bigger than football in terms of this is bigger than this is something we couldn't tackle alone it was important we, we went at it from a, from a standpoint of solidarity and um, hopefully we, we'll get we'll get in a position where the FA will have a conversation with us and and we'll start to make progress in in um, in, in terms of discussions and, and where we're going to go next to find a resolution. 1-0 win for Bromley on the road. A very happy Andy Woodman, I imagine. Yeah, relieved. Um, yeah, it's, it's never easy coming here, is it? You know, to get a clean sheet and, a, and three points is um, not always as easy as it, as it might look on paper. Um, but that said, I thought we made hard work of it. We had a lot of chances. I thought we could have quite comfortably come away with a lot more goals. Um, but you know, credit to Yeover and, and Mark Cooper's team—they they they, they had stayed in the game, and um, you know we've been in, in this situation a few times, and teams are nicked one. Um, but today went our way, and uh, credit to my players and, and my staff. You know, we've really worked hard for this and to try to keep that season alive with the playoffs in, in, in our sights. And coming into it, I was really excited to see Fisher and Topper Lodge, the two exciting young fullbacks, and both of them linked up for the first goal. Yeah, we've got some exciting young talent coming for our team, as, 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 as probably everyone in the country is starting to hear, and they're, they're all coming down, circling, looking at them. Um, Kellen Fisher is a really good player, a young, talented player just coming for our academy. Um, you know, I, I thought he looked tired today, Kellen, and I've got to expect that. You know, he's a young, young footballer that's learning his trade. Uh, and then Bez, Bez back went into spasm, so I had to take him off. Um, but yeah, both really good talents, um, and, I, and I'm sure we'll see you know their names in the league at some point. And you talked about how you disappointed that you perhaps in some games you've been people have nicked points against you. Is that the only disappointment? The fact you didn't kill it off, yeah. you having chances. I, I think that's our season in a, in a nutshell. To be honest, um, there's been so many games that we should have killed off, and we haven't, and then we've regretted it. And and I almost felt that history was going to repeat itself today um, but credit to our guys you know they, they dug in and um, defended resolutely at the end and um, yeah it's a really it's a, all of that aside it's a really good three points for us and you talked about keeping your playoff hopes alive quite a lot of the teams on the edge of the playoffs lost today or didn't win um, so a really good afternoon all yeah, told I, I mean look I, I've just said to our guys don't even look at the results it's all about what we do you know um, we've got to, We've got to win a certain amount of matches and uh, history would tell you that a certain amount of points gets you in there. So it's no good us worrying about what everyone else does if we don't do what we have to do and win games. Um, so on to the next one. Uh, it'd be an equally tough game, Maidstone, um, on Tuesday. Uh, and we just got to just keep chalking off the games. And Yeovil, as you mentioned, are just a point above the drop zone. Uh, they're just ahead of Gateshead by a point. But Gateshead have got two games in hand and... They had a massive boost on Saturdays. They won 3-2 away at Aldershot. 
and speaking to Rob, he basically said that Gateshead deserved their victory. He said it was a poor performance from the shots, but take nothing away from them on the day. And he feels that he will survive the drop. And the teams immediately above him, including all the shot, have are being dragged into it again a little bit. And two goals for Marcus Denangadiki and it's um it's a funny one, isn't it? We were talking about this on Tuesday. So he went to Altrincham and he's, he's not really done it at Altrincham. He had a loan spell at Dartford, did really, really well. I went back to Altrincham this season, not really happened for him. He's gone to Gateshead and, and he's flying again. And it, it's funny how sometimes it just doesn't happen at a club for you. It is. Um, and it's taken him a little while to get going at Gateshead as well. But by the sound of things, he and um, Adam Campbell are striking up something of an understanding. Knowing the way that, that, that Gateshead play, and I saw um, at some response to them yes i think ross mcneely actually gave them credit and said you know they played like Notts county at times i can only assume by that he meant you know the the passing style that's certainly what got gates out of the national league north last season um and if i think about who would be a good fit into that you know i would think a player with um Dinanga's pace in the final third would 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 prosper from that really. So yeah, I mean, it, it, on on the face of it, moving to a side that's towards the bottom of the league, from one that's mid table, um, wouldn't immediately look like a good move. But um, yeah, I think he might be a good fit for them. And Rob caught up with the Gateshead assistant manager Ian Watson after the game. Ian, you're in a battle for the long haul. You know that, but you've come here today to Aldershot. Um, one of the sides you could pull back into it, and you pulled them right back in it, didn't you? Didn't even really get deterred when you went a goal down. Yeah, um, obviously we, we spoke about that before the game um, It was real performance based We needed to bring that energy We needed to bring that fight Because we knew that it was going to be a fight against a, against a really good side um, So we talked about whatever happened during the game Whether it was a goal or whether it was a refereeing decision Not letting it affect our mindset And, and making sure that the, the performance was just relentless And everything that we'd done Everything that we brought today was, was relentless um, and, and I thought the boys were excellent on that Obviously we conceded the goal um, Refereeing decision went against us for the set play then we end up getting a corner then the score so there was a couple of things that the boys could have really got their heads down about but it wasn't about that today we, we haven't really got time for that we have to have the boys super focused super sharp and I thought they were today and I, and I thought we deserved the three points as well Just an opinion from the outside and I think it might be echoed in the non-league paper report tomorrow as well um, solid throughout but Adam Campbell up top an absolute pest and he just dropped into the uh, little spaces didn't he and he caused havoc yeah, he did. Um, he's, he's a problem for, for opposition because he can do both. He's obviously got the pace to go in behind. Um, he can drop in the pockets. He's really intelligent. Um, obviously, he's played at a, at a very high level, so he's, he's got that football intelligence. The the big thing what we love him for is, is, is his work rate and the energy that he brings. He just doesn't stop. Um, he obviously, is, his GPS date is always through the roof every week and um, he, he leads by what he does off the ball with his running and his pressing and the boys just have to back that up and they have to get after the ball when he's chasing the ball down and then, as I say, he gives that other side where he's very intelligent and he, he picks up good positions on the pitch and it's really hard for opposition to kind of to deal with him at times and today he was excellent and at times when you need your big players to come and turn up, he certainly did that. And Marcus Denanga, who has been prolific in spells in his career, but needs to find the right club. He seems to have found the right club here, doesn't he? Yeah, I think we're the, uh, we're the right club for a lot of forwards. To be fair, if you look at the last couple of seasons, we've we've always we, we create a lot of chances. The way we play, we're very expansive. Um, the gaffer and myself and the coaching team—it's it's how we like to play. We 
want to attack. We want to we want to be excited on the on the sideline. We want to dominate the ball and attack the goal as much as we possibly can. Um, and Marcus has been brilliant for us since he came in. Um, I'm over the moon that he's got his two goals a day because I think that'll just add to his confidence a little bit more when we need it the most. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 really pleased for him and it, it give us give us that little bit cutting edge at the end of the pitch. What we what we needed to do. What sometimes we've we've maybe lacked um, in terms of confidence in front of goal and when we get in certain areas. But today, as I say, we didn't have time for any dipping confidence or anything like that we, we knew the job we had to do and we, and we came with real intent to do it as well Obviously you've still got the FA Trophy to come and you'll deal with that when it comes along but I guess it's going to be a bit of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday you must be playing midweek I haven't looked at the Yeah, pictures. yeah, so we've got Saturday, Tuesday we play Dagenham on uh, on Tuesday um, another hard game every game in this league's hard but that's why we're desperate to stay in it because we love the league so much um, and then we're going to have to squeeze and I think one week we're going to have to be a Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday it's looking like so it's going to be tough and it's going to be hard but at the end of the day it's football and you just love being involved in it and it's why the boys love playing football so the more games the better Joe another good day for team down there is uh, Dark and they're on to 40 points now they beat Maidenhead by three goals to one two goals for Jason Pryor and Josh Taylor getting the goals there and uh, that's a massive win for Dark and isn't it yeah a massive win for them and you know against the Maidenhead side that are safe um, they would have gone into yesterday thinking, you know, whilst last week Mark White said we don't need to win against York, he would have said yesterday we absolutely need to beat Maidenhead today. So, you know, for them to get the win, fairly comfortable in the end, three 0 up inside the hour. Um, as you said, two goals for Jason Pryor. Um, that gives them a little bit of daylight between themselves and the drop zone. Um, and yeah, a really good afternoon. The point I would add, just going back to the last um, game, uh, Altrincham is, you know, Mike Williamson has already shown that he can take a striker that's perhaps underperforming, that's got quality, but not firing, um, and make them a really good striker. You know, we've seen that with Sedwin Scott. We've seen that with Macaulay Langstaff. And, you know, could, I'm not saying that Marcus Denanga is going to go and score 40 next season, but could Marcus Denanga be, you know, the next success story out of, of Gateshead? But Maidenhead, Joe, they're, they're a funny old side, aren't they? I mean, when they play the top sides, we almost expect them to take points often. But then when they play the teams in and around them, we almost expect them to struggle. And that was the case again on Saturday. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think probably Alan Devonshire has created a, a group there whereby they actually relish playing the top teams more so, um, you know, because they love the, you know, them v us, you know, we're the underdogs. Let's go and show them that we can get a result sort of mentality. Um, and yeah, you know, disappointing yesterday on the road, only, only a penalty got them um, some consolation in the game. Um, I see they added Bruno Andrade yesterday on a short-term deal, um, you know, experienced EFL forward um, going there. Um, you know, they're safe. It's going to be interesting to see because as a, you know, you have to say, be careful what you wish for at times, but I'd love to see Maidenhead really try and kick on you know, they've they've consolidated at this level for three or four years. Can they now go and push on and, you know, finish in the top half or even push for the playoffs? Um, you know, that's gonna that's where I think the next step for them is and it'd be interesting to see what they do in the summer. Joe, it did amuse me watching the National League highlights yesterday because it showed Tarky losing at home to Dagenham and Redbridge. Two goals for Ineffi Young. He's on twenty for the season now. Uh, combining that across Hollershot and Dagenham. Um really good finish from Aaron Jarvis as well. Uh, to open a scoring for Torquay, but it were pegged back. But he did make me laugh at the end when the uh, I think it was Nick Harlan said um, 
it's looking bleak now for Torquay survival hopes. And I thought, Joe's been saying this for about <laughs> six months. But uh, yeah, they kind of almost acknowledge that Torquay are, uh, are really struggling now. But yeah, I don't know why it's taken them so long, but there we go. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you were amused yesterday watching the highlights, because I certainly wasn't. Um, yeah, you know, a, a disappointing result yesterday, but, you know, unfortunately, one that we've come to expect. Um, you know, it's incredible stat that, you know, when we were in the, when we got to the playoff final and should have won the league, um, when we went in that tussle with Sutton, the amount of late goals we scored, you know, Gary time, you know, we always got a goal in Gary time. And yet our four, last four games at home, we've lost each of them 2-1. Three of them have had a 94th minute goal against us. You know, that, that tells you everything you need to know about the team. You know, poor mentality, poor tactics, poor fitness. Um, and, you know, as soon as it went to one all, I texted my dad yesterday and said, when's that second goal going in? Because we know it's coming. And, you know, it, it, that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, a good, good win for, for Dagenham. You know, can't take that away from them. Um, ben Strevens with his first win, four points in his first two games. They'll be pleased. Um, and obviously another two goals from the big man, Ineffiong, who seems to have really come alight this year, really, really doing well. Um, mind you, he probably got uh, got an early Christmas present in the amount of space he got in the penalty box at the end when they just sort of put the red carpet down and let him stride into the box and finish. But um, yeah, um, just a point on Aaron Jarvis, you know, Far too good. He won't be here next year. Um, another goal, a really good goal for him yesterday. Um, and he should be playing, well, for me, top end of the National League or in the, even in the EFL. So, um, yeah, one player that can hold his head up high. Altrincham beat Southend by a goal to nil in what he's classed as a mid-table tussle. And also, Oldham drew 1-1 with Solihull. And it was a late, late goal from Jack Stevens for Solihull Moors, a man you've seen play before, Dickie, because they've recently signed him from Banbury. Yeah, they have. Um, a he'll be a loss to Banbury. Uh, they've they've lost a few of the players that helped to get them um, a win the Southern League Central at a canter last season, and, and they're starting to struggle in National League North as a result. And yes, Stevens has been one of those. Uh, a last minute, well, an injury time equaliser yesterday, announcing his arrival to Solihull. I think his arrival went a little bit under the radar, but yeah, he looks like a really useful um, addition for them. Um, just going to say about Altrincham as well. It's been a really good week for them after hosting the England Sea game. Um, another good uh, performance from them. And and I'm not quite sure what's happened to Southend. It's almost as if the threat of going out of existence has, has taken, you know, that, that's that been lifted, but their form has fallen away at the same time, which is somewhat strange. And a really good overhead kick as well from Stevens. Not a bad way to mark his debut. As a parent, you want to protect your kids. You know you can't keep them wrapped up in cotton wool forever, but there are some things that you can do, like keeping their vaccinations up to date. Some childhood diseases are on the rise again, like measles and whooping cough, and they can cause severe illness. Childhood vaccinations can help prevent them. So, are your child's vaccinations up to date? To find out more, search online for NHS Vaccinations. We're going to move on and look at the National League South and good to see the National League South taking the limelight on BT Sport as well. Uh, they showed full match coverage of Slough against Ebbsfleet and Ebbsfleet won it late on in the end. It was a really good goal from Dominic Polion to take all three points there as they move a step closer towards promotion. Yeah, um, 
a really good win for Ebb's fleet. Um, and as you said, a step closer. Um, they just keep finding a way, don't they, to uh, to grind out a win. Um, you know, they weren't at their best yesterday by any stretch. Um, but that man, again, Dominic Polian with a goal, um, he managed to score the winner for them against the Slough side who, you know, they showed that they can compete um, and scrap against the top sides, but they perhaps just lacked that little bit of quality uh, in the final third to to make their chances pay. But in the end, uh, a really well-earned point for Ebbsfleet, especially, um, as we'll no doubt come on to, the fact that the other teams around them drop points. Yeah, and the teams behind them are all playing for, basically, if they're going to get in the playoff eliminator, are they going to be at home in the playoffs? And Dartford lost at home to Chelmsford, but Oxford City missed the opportunity to go above Dartford. They only drew 2-2 away at Dulwich Hamlet. And interesting story about Dulwich Hamlet, which we'll get on to in a minute. But first of all, the result there. Um, obviously, Dulwich Hamlet slightly improving. They're still in the bottom four. They brought in Hack and Heretin, and they'll be disappointed that they didn't hold on after Janny Cratchlow put them 2-1 up. Yeah, um, you know, but we've said on the podcast this season before that both the team, or the teams that are chasing Ebb's fleet need to ensure that they keep on their coattails, uh, but neither could do it. Both teams failing to win yesterday. Dartford obviously took the lead, but two late goals for Chelmsford um, saw them uh, emerge as the winners. Goal from Odie Alpha with eight minutes to play and then a goal right at injury time from McGregor. As for Oxford City, a um, bit of a, certainly the second half, four goals. Um, they took the lead and then went 2-1 behind. Clearly Lolos, um, he scored with a couple of minutes left. He's been really good this season for Oxford City. He scored to ensure they went away with a share of the spoils. Um, against a, a, a Dulwich side who so far in the hacking air red, and it's been more about scoring goals in the late in the final few minutes, whereas yesterday it was about conceding. Um, a useful point for Oxford City, perhaps against a, a Dulwich, good Dulwich team uh, under Hayretin, but for Dartford, disappointing day for them not to be able to hold on for a, a point. Yeah, we mentioned about Dulwich Hamlet. They had a tight with Atletico Bilbao, apparently back way back in the, in the uh, olden days. They used to play each other a lot. And Atletico Bilbao basically said, go and watch Dulwich Hamlet on non-league day. Uh, they set up a travel package and everything for fans to go over and I'm sure they would have loved the vibe at Champion Hill and they saw four goals, but what a great little story that is. What a great little tie-up as well between the two clubs. Yeah, it was um, you know nice to see a couple of the, the larger teams, you could say, um, show their support for non-league on non-league day. Um, you, you know, We have Atletico Bilbao with Dulwich and we saw Fulham um, on their social media give all of their players a, a team on non-league day uh, to support. So, um, yeah, uh, Nice to see uh, some support for non-league and it's just a shame that we, we don't see more of it. Braintree, they've been really good at home this season. I think, Joe, if I'm right, that may well be their first defeat as they lost 2-0 at home to Taunton. Yeah, well, it was a, you know, fun, an interesting one. Um, Braintree, obviously, as you say, really good at home this season. Haven't lost at home this season against the Taunton side who, up until recently, hadn't lost for nearly two years at home. Um, and, yeah, it was Braintree's good home record that succumbed to a really good first-half performance from Rob Dre's men. Two goals in the first half, Smith and then Chamberlain on the half-hour, ensured that Taunton went away with all three points. Um, good win for them, given that they need to ensure daylight between themselves and the drop zone. 
um, and perhaps a game which they wouldn't have expected to get three points. Um, so really, really good afternoon for them. Yeah, that's back-to-back defeats now for Braintree. A team who went into the weekend having lost three on the spin were Worthing. They got a big win, 3-2 over Haven and Waterlooville. They're a point clear of Haven and Waterlooville. In fact, they're a point clear of St Albans, Haven and Waterlooville and Tombridge. So 7th, 8th and 9th. And St Albans and Tombridge both won as well, which means St Albans stay in the last playoff place. And both St Albans and Tombridge had eventful games, didn't they, on Saturday? Yeah, well, it, it's, you know, three teams that are just on the edge of the playoffs. Um, and, you know, they'll all be looking to try and get in the top seven come the end of the season. Um, haven't seemed to be on a bit of a free fall at the moment uh, under their new management and have been before their new management, in fact. Um, they failed to defeat yesterday on the road. A couple of late goals from Worthing, Ollie Pierce and Kane Wills um, got them the win there. Obviously, Mo Fall on the score sheet again. He's having a fantastic season for Haven't. Um, Tom Bridge, they went behind in the game yesterday to Hungerford. Um, Giebe giving them the lead, but a really good first half performance therein from Tom Bridge. Two goals from Jack Wood, who's been really, really good this season, uh, gave them a 4-1 advantage. Two goals in the second half from Evans within a minute for Hungerford, gave them hope, but uh, they couldn't quite see it out. And then obviously, as you said, such as St Albans, uh, big win for them against Dover. Mitch Weiss with the, the winning goal um, against the Dover side who went from bad to worse. Two red cards. First Tyrone Sterling four minutes after they went behind. And then Judd with a second yellow card with a minute to play in. We mentioned in the previous pods about whether we thought there was one team that could make a late play for the playoffs. And you asked whether it could be St Albans. And, you know, wins like that yesterday will uh, give them the confidence that they can do that. Just quickly on Dover, Joe, we've not really mentioned this year. They've kind of just been floating around mid-table. Uh, they brought in Mitch Brundle, who's a, an inexperienced opponent, and they've not won in the last five, and f- the last four of those have been defeats. Now, the, they're only they're only sort of five points clear of the relegation zone. They're sinking like a stone. Do you think, one, they'll be OK, and two, it'll be worrying times for the inexperienced manager? Yeah, well, it's an interesting one on Dover um, because it looks like they're probably going to have enough to be safe in the league, just about. Um, and that's perhaps testament to the experience that Andy Hessenthaler has brought in during the summer, um, which made me think that they could potentially be in and around the playoffs. But it hasn't transpired that way. Obviously, they made the change. They brought in Mitch Brundle. Um, obviously, not very experienced. His first job in management. Um, but we've seen, you know, with the likes of Maidstone giving Elicobia a chance and, you know, a couple other teams in the division that have given play- ex-players a chance. You know, you've just got to back them. And, you know, perhaps in the summer, if he's able to bring in his own players and, you know, he's been in and around really good teams at this level before, Mitch Brundle. Um, so there's no reason to say why he can't, you know, potentially get them competing next year. One team who could be... Really sneaky outsiders for the playoffs at Farnborough. They had a really good win in midweek, didn't they? And then they won one nil away at Hampton Richmond Borough. And crucially, they've got two games in hand as well. Yeah, well, a good win for them. Um, and you know, as is the way with teams looking to push up the league, um, whichever point of the league you're at, you know, a couple of wins. If you're able to put them together, then you've got a real chance. And after that win in midweek, Farnborough were able to back it up with a good win on the road, um, a clean sheet for Farnborough. 
uh, 1-0 win against Hampton and Richmond. Page, the, the goal scorer there. And, you know, we've said before that they could be in and around the playoffs. You know, they've got a good squad, good players, experienced players. And, you know, after a good win yesterday, adding to what they already have done this season, there's no reason to think why they can't perhaps make a, a late play for the top seven themselves. One team you've mentioned are in a role, a Chippenham now, they were in the bottom four a couple of weeks ago. They won four on the spin up until Saturday. They drew 1-1 with Eastbourne Borough, which is a good result. Even though they're at home, they'll, they'll probably be disappointed not to have won, but their good run continues and they've shot up the table and they're, they're using their games in hand now, aren't they? Good point for them uh, yesterday and a really well-earned point um, against Eastbourne, who are a good side themselves. Shiloi Remy giving Eastbourne the lead from the penalty spot just before the half-time mark. Um, but they battled about well in the second half, Chippenham. Um, 82nd minute, Parker levelling the scoring and they managed to hold out for a share of the spoils. And, uh, you know, that's another good point that just keeps them ticking along at a key point of the season. As I mentioned, Dulwich Hamlet are in that last relegation place. The only team to win in that bottom five were Chesson. They beat Weymouth and, ironically... It was uh, Alfie Q who popped up right on Q as well to, uh, in four minutes from time to give him that vital win over Weymouth. And it's really tight down at the bottom. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, we thought Hungerford were dead and buried. They've given themselves an opportunity. Weymouth is still there or thereabouts. Concord are currently nine points off safety, but it only takes a couple of positive results, a win and a draw, and you're back in it. As I said, all, all the... None of the bottom four won. Chess are out of it now, aren't they? And that's a massive win for them. Yeah, a really, really big win for Chess yesterday. You know, they'd have seen that home home game against a, a team in and around them at the bottom. And, uh, you know, for them to get the win, they'll be really, really pleased with that. Um, Alfie Q right on Q at the end, um, scoring the only goal uh, of the game with four minutes to play against the Weymouth side, who, you know, this must be the first week we've been doing the pod this season when... Brad Ash or Akeem Rose haven't been on the score sheet uh, for Weymouth. And uh, yeah, you know, Chesson seem to have flitted around the top of those relegation spots this season. Um, and they just keep finding a way to ensure they keep their head just above water for the time being. So uh, yeah, really good win for them yesterday. So Concord, as I say, they remain bottom. They lost 3-0 away at Hemel Hempstead. And Welling, they got a much-needed win 1-0 at home to Bath, Joe. And we've criticised Warren Feeney, but that's a big uh, big win for him. Yeah, well, it perhaps keeps himself in a job for another week. Um, you know, we've criticised Warren Feeney on the podcast for, you know, just for the, really for the fact that given the investment in the summer, they haven't been able to trans, transfer that into results. And um, really good win yesterday against a Bath side that have been good of late. Um, we haven't seen many clean sheets from Welling this season. Um, and for them to finally get a clean sheet, um, you know, it's amazing what happens when you keep clean sheets. You can actually win games of football. Um, so, yeah, a really good win for them. Another late goal, you know, that's something been on the podcast. But lots of late goals yesterday. Uh, Cody Lyons Foster, uh, former Shots player, um, who scored the only goal of the game for Welling. And, uh, yeah, you know, really big win for them yesterday. Yeah, something in the water down south, I think, that uh, they ended up uh, all scoring late on. Uh, Joe, thanks for joining us. No worries. So in the National League North, uh, we'll go back to midweek. 
to start our roundup for the North and a really big win for Fylde at Kings Lynn. Yeah, it was a huge game in midweek. Um, I'd built it up on the, the podcast, I think not just last week, but the, the in the weeks leading up to it as well. Um, AFC Fylde recording a 1-0 win at Kings Lynn in a, a game which, um, you know, looked like a pivotal one for the destination of the title in National League North and with Fylde having won that one, I think it puts them in the box seat. Joe Rowley got their goal in the 58th minute um, away at Lynn. Um, and that, that, as I say, that, that extends their lead now, I think, to five points. Uh, Fylde also have two games in hand. So if they're to win the two games in hand, that would extend the lead to 11. And with the number of games that are left, I think Lynn have only got six games left compared to Fylde's eight. You would have to say if they won the two games in hand that um, the, the title race is as good as over in the North. They followed that up as well um, on Saturday. Fylde had a reasonably comfortable 2-0 win uh, over Gloucester City. We normally ask the question about whether Nick Horton's been to the laundrette, whether his uh, cape and, uh, and underpants are in the wash. And they certainly were uh, out of the wash yesterday. He got the first goal after just six minutes. And then Piers Bird added a second for Fylde just before the interval. So, yeah, 2-0 up by half-time. And I would imagine from there, and given the four that filed her in that they they were fairly comfortable in the second half. Kingslin, they had a, a 1-0 win yesterday uh, away at Hereford. They bounced back from that defeat, which is important for Tommy Widrington's side. You know, it would have been a, a big blow to them to lose that game on Tuesday night, but they've got to hang in there. Um, Hereford not in great form. They're not going up. Neither are they going down. So perhaps haven't necessarily got that much to play for, but that can make sides in the middle of the table dangerous because, you know, they don't necessarily have that pressure on them. Uh, Kingslin went there yesterday and uh, managed to come away, uh, as I say, with a 1-0 victory given to them by Christian Oxlade-Chamberlain, the brother of uh, Alex, the Liverpool forward. Um, so um, good to see him on the score sheet there. And I say for Hereford, it, I think they're in a position now of just playing out the, the, the remaining games to the end of the season and then regrouping over the summer. Yeah, up to the northeast next and a game that was vital for both teams at either end of the table, Blythe against Chester. Yes, it did. Yeah, there was uh, this. This was a big game, even though the, the the sides are a long way apart in the table for because they both need the points for differing reasons. Blythe have been in decent form of late. They have been picking up points, but they are still in the bottom four. Um, games are running out, so they need to try and you know get as many on the board as they can. Um, and Chester. As much as I think that Chester are, um, they're too far behind now to actually challenge for the title, but I think it's imperative for them to either try and finish possibly second, but as a minimum third so that they can miss out on the eliminator end in the playoffs and, and get a home draw in the semi-finals as well. Um, they went to Blythe yesterday and came away with a 2-0 victory. Declan Weeks got them on the road to that uh, win with a 44th minute goal. Such an important player for Chester. And then Ollie Haywood added a second goal just 10 minutes into the second half. And again, from that point onwards, you would think that was reasonably comfortable for Chester. They stay in third position. Blythe still in the bottom four. Um, they do have one or two fixtures against teams around them at the bottom of the table to come, but they're going to need to record some more wins fairly sharpish. Brackley are six points behind Chester, but they do have a game in hand, although the um, it, it's a difficult one. Normally, if you go to somewhere like Spennymore and get a point, you'd be quite happy, but in their situation, they'll be disappointed that they 
they haven't picked up more than one. Yeah, Brackley made the uh, the trip up the A1 to Spennymore. Um, a few weeks ago, Roger Johnson was um, speaking quite bullishly, saying, you know, um, as much as people are concentrating on Kings Lynn and on Foyle, that, that, that Brackley, we consider ourselves to be still in the title race. I think this was the third consecutive draw for Brackley. That might well have done for them, unfortunately. They led at Spennymore yesterday a goal from Cosmos Matois, say, in the 17th minute of the game. Um, Brackley also had Matt Preston playing for them. He signed on loan from Solihull for the rest of the season. You might remember having played a, a, a starring role in that Kidderminster performance against West Ham in the televised FA Cup game last year. Just a few weeks later, he suffered a terrible injury in the game against Alfreton and has missed almost an entire year. He's a really solid signing for them. They've needed him because Captain Gareth Dean is out injured as well. So um, he's filled the gap nicely, but he wasn't able to help them keep a clean sheet yesterday. Joe Tate equalised in the second minute of first half injury time with what I can only imagine was a goal from distance because I've seen the tweets from Spennymore saying that Tate doesn't do tap-ins. So you can imagine he's probably thumped one in from quite some distance. Um Spennymore doesn't do an awful lot for them, but I think Spennymore are neither going up nor going down. They're, they're safely in mid-table and can probably start their planning for next season already. Um, as I say, Brackley, a, a point really doesn't help them. Um, they, they're fourth at the moment. Um, and, you know, their aim would be to get to third as well, but they're going to have a battle on their hands to try and get one of those two spaces or places away from Kings Lynn or from Chester. Yeah, it's three draws on the spin now for Brackley. And Darlington will be another team kicking themselves. They have got a couple of games in hand, but they went to Kettering. Another good point for Kettering there as it finished nil-nil. None of the teams below Chester won in the playoff places. As I mentioned, Brackley's draw there. Darlington drew as well, as we just heard. Uh, Gloucester lost at Fylde. And then Scarborough and Charlie both lost as well. Scarborough lost 1-0 at home to Southport. And Charlie lost 2-1 away at Curzon. Yeah, Darlington, um, they had a disappointing result in midweek, losing 3-1 at Farsley Celtic, which we'll probably come on to shortly. Um, they weren't able to rebound from that one. They had a, a trip down the A1, and I think they travelled in good numbers as well because it, it was a um, a season-high attendance um, at Kettering yesterday, apparently. But uh, as much as it pulled in a good crowd, they didn't see any goals. A, a nil-nil draw, probably more satisfying to league lover. Uh, than it would be to Alan Armstrong because Darlington are, you know, again, might have designs on finishing slightly higher in the table. Kettering, they've made themselves really hard to beat at home this season. I think that's probably been a key to them. Um, I wouldn't say they're completely safe yet, but from from a side that I, I think I probably tip them to go down, to be perfectly honest. I think Lee, League Love has done a really good job on, um, you know, not a vast amount of resources there at Kettering. But uh, yeah, Darlington be disappointed to only get a point from that one yesterday. Disappointing results for, for both of those sides in sixth and seventh, which means that the, the gap uh, between those and the teams that are chasing them just outside the playoff places is shortened a little. Surely they went 2-0 down at Curzon Ashton uh, in the first half yesterday. Tom Pierce and Hayden Campbell on target in the 8th and the 43rd minute. It took until the 89th minute for Chorley to get uh, a goal, something to show from their efforts. Jack Sampson getting them some reward, but um, you know, far too late in the game for them to... Um, really could be able to consider that they were going to get anything out of it. And um, a, a good result for Curzon Ashton following up a win uh, last weekend. They did have a draw with Banbury in midweek. So that's seven points out of nine in their last three matches. Um, yeah, not so great for Chorley and not so great for Scarborough either. That They've been almost 
in the playoff places nearly all season, Scarborough. Um, they were a lot of people's tips to go down again. I may have been amongst them. So, you know, egg on my face there, certainly. But they, they'd gone terrifically well. Um, but they just look in danger of being caught right at the, the death, which would be a pretty cruel blow to Jonathan Greening's side, really. They've done so well this season. But, um, yeah, going down 1-0 at home to Southport yesterday wouldn't have been something that um, many people anticipated. Tyler Walton got Southport's winning goal in the 54th minute. Um, and, and and Scarborough, you know, I, it, it would be a big disappointment to them, you know, having come all this way and been in the top seven for virtually all season for them to drop out late would be a tough one to take, but there are teams in much better form breathing down their necks, unfortunately. Yeah. And coming up on the rails are the books. No, not that one, Dickie, but Craig Elliott's books. They could be the side that, that, that takes over from Scarborough in, in the playoff places. If, Scarborough continue to fall. Buxton, 14 games without defeat now under Craig Elliott. He won manager of the month for February. He's giving himself a good chance of, of winning it again in March, to be perfectly honest, although we know that doesn't tend to happen. Uh, it does tend to get shared around. Um, Buxton done terrifically well. They went away to a side very much in need of the points themselves yesterday in Bradford Park Avenue. They're in the bottom four. They would have needed a win just as much, um, you know, just to, to preserve their own safety. But uh, Max Conway gave Buxton the lead in the first half, 1-0 up at half time. Will Longbottom equalised with a 51st minute penalty for Avenue. So honours even at that point. But yeah, then Buxton ran away with it between the 58th and the 84th minute. There's three goals at fairly regular intervals. Connor Kirby, Brad Jackson and then Tom Elliott rounding it off for a pretty comfortable away win in the end. And as I say, with the form that Buxton are in, um, you wouldn't bet against them being the, the, the side that makes a late run into the playoffs. Equally fascinating is the battle down at the bottom um, as we mentioned Kettering good point for them that puts them on 44 points but they're only two points clear of the relegation zone and Farsley finally out of the relegation zone they've been on a really good run and it feels like they've been stuck in the relegation zone forever they got a last minute equaliser didn't they which has lifted them out of the relegation zone because Leamington Blythe and Bradford Park Avenue you all lost yeah it did the last um couple of games for both uh, Leamington and Farsley uh, have had contrasting fortunes for him and have once again produced a switch around at, at the bottom end of the table. Leamington have slipped into the bottom four as a result of Farsley picking up four points in their last two matches, whereas Leamington have lost both of theirs. Leamington um, had a defeat in midweek. They went down... Um, to a 1-0 defeat at Spennymoor, a goal from Jake Day, a recent arrival at Spennymoor there. And they went down to a 2-0 home defeat to Boston United yesterday, who I think are just about getting themselves safe now. It's taken a, a, a long time for them to get there under Ian Culverhouse, but they are finally getting there. Um, they had goals um, yesterday, uh, an eighth, uh, no, a six-minute goal from Jordan Burrow, got them into the lead uh, and then Billy Chadwick scored in the second half with a goal from from long range that took uh, advantage of some um, inattention from Ted Can, the uh, Leamington goalkeeper shall we say um, so yeah Boston with two defeats Farsley on the other hand they had a 3-1 win on Tuesday which I mentioned earlier two goals from Theo Williams um, Darlington did get a goal back, but then Chris Atkinson, who's a stalwart at Farsley Celtic, he got the third goal to make that one safe. Um, 
not quite so good for them yesterday. They would have been hoping for three points at home. They ended up only getting one. Uh, Peterborough Sports led with a, a Michael Gash penalty after just four minutes. But Frank Mulhern, a player who's so important to Farsley, equalised in the 90th minute. Uh, and I think that just seems very typical of the of the kind of fighting qualities that um, Russ Wilcox's Farsley side have. I would say Leamington are quite a good match for them in that respect. So, you know, we've got two... Similar sides battling it out um, for what potentially is, you know, that that one last relegation place there. Yeah, it was more Ted Cudden in that for Leamington on Saturday, wasn't it, in the end? And uh, we'll finish off, we've just got to mention, Dickie, great win that for Telford away at Banbury. But are the alarm bells ringing for Banbury now? Because they're only three points above the relegation zone and they're sinking like a stone. They've lost four out of the last five. Yeah, before I touch on that one, well, there is the Kidderminster Alfreton game, which was um, the only other game of the day, but a, a goalless draw that didn't do much for the ambitions of either side. So um, neither of them probably thank me for mentioning it, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, Telford's 2 1 win at Banbury. It's, you know, to be honest, it's not going to be enough for Telford to recover unless the, the, the planets align and yeah, probably more chance of us being hit by the asteroid that shot past last night than Telford surviving relegation. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, they got a, a really good 2-1 win yesterday and they did it having gone down to 10 men in the 25th minute. I had Luke Burke dismissed. Um, then Ben Aquai, who Burke had fouled for his red card, um, gave Banbury the lead just a few minutes later. And from there on, you would have thought that Banbury um, have been in poor form would have gone on and taken that game away from Telford, but they weren't able to. They looked a bit nervous. Their their, their finishing was... Um, uh, it looked like a side lacking confidence, and Telford responded, and, and two goals in 15 minutes in the second half took the game away from Banbury. Lewis Salmon equalised with a, a brave header at the far post in the 59th minute, and then um, a Coy Williams run from his own half covering roughly 60, 70 yards before finishing through the legs of Jack Harding. Gave Telford all three points. Banbury were a little bit unfortunate. They hit the post twice. They did put Telford under pressure. Um, but yeah, their form is not good. I mean, I looked at the, the form table before the game and Telford actually picked up more points over the last 10 games than Banbury had. Um, we spoke about them losing Jack Stevens to Solihull. That's been a blow to them as well. Um and they need to arrest the slide quickly because once again, with sides below them who are maybe a little bit used to being in that sort of having to scrap for every point, the likes of Farsley and Leamington, whereas Banbury, having looked safe, have all of a sudden dropped themselves into big trouble. Um, then that that they're going to need to show some fighting mentality and some fighting spirit um, just to make sure they get the points they need to, to keep them in the division. Yeah, and we'll finish off with Dickie. Catching up with Kevin Wilkin, and uh, here is thoughts. Kevin, two-one uh, win away at Banbury United this afternoon. Uh, probably a result that, looking from the outside, will have taken a lot of people by surprise. And um, having gone down to ten men before half time as well, it, it maybe took you by surprise a little bit as well. Yeah, I got a little bit certainly. Um, I think you, you know the pivotal moment coming when the referees clearly seen something that nobody else in the ground did and make such a big call in that moment was, you know, you're disappointed if that ends up being the, you know, the big, big factor that divides both the sides. And we clearly didn't make our uh, task any easier. I think we felt a little bit sorry for ourselves on the field when, when that decision has been given and, and, you know, too loose for their goal. And you think 
then you think you know it's gonna you know gonna be a, well, it was an uphill battle there's no doubt about that but you think it's gonna be even harder um and, and to everybody it looked like Banbury would go on and comfortably win the game I think the fact that we've stayed in the game to half time and, and been able to regroup uh, was really really important for for us um and I, you know there's a few harsh words that I've said in there at half time and I, you know, I can't have shrinking violets in those moments I want people that can put their you know, their shoulders back and, and, and deal with those moments and moments of disappointment. And, yeah, you know, one or two, <laughs> open one or two up in there and probably, is it the right thing to do? Look, you know, that's my frustration because I felt, we, you know, it's a, it's a game we really could have gone and got something out of. Um, but the reaction we got second half and the way that we've gone about our business and, again, for me, understanding players and what they're capable of and in, in difficult situations is a big uh, learning curve with, with this group of players um, but as you say the way we've gone out in the second half um, carried the fight to Banbury I think we've lived a little bit luckily at times if I'm honest where you know a couple of times fortunate the ball's come back off the post and it hasn't quite happened for Banbury but you know no less than probably we deserve for, for the effort and, and better quality I think we showed in the second half and that is it thanks for joining us Dickie no, you're very welcome, Luke. Yeah, it was um, uh, good to have your company midweek and good to have your company at the weekend again. And don't forget as well to, as I mentioned earlier, subscribe to us and follow us on Twitter at time and on Instagram as well. We are on there. But until then, have a great week and we'll see you all very soon.